I've been waiting 23 years to say that. I think the only way that we're going to go ahead and get a good episode out of this episode of the show is if I do nothing but my fucking Joe Exotic impersonation for the whole thing. Cause Why? It's gonna be about Just the only don't. Don't. <laughs> I don't know if I told you. I know this is very off topic for this particular channel, but my parents told me they watched uh, the Tiger King. Yep. And I was like, why did you put yourself through that? And they're like, oh, we don't know. It's just what everyone was talking about. And we hated it. Yep. It is one of the most ridiculous things in the world. So stupid. Yeah, you'll have that. Welcome to the FBI's Most Unwanted. I'm Matt. I'm Justin. All right. And I have to tell you what I did that was X-Files related today. Besides watch the most recent episode of the X-Files. And I am definitely going to need to be slapped for this very hard. You, so I don't know how you're going to reach through the computer, but you will, I'm sure. You bought freaking X-Files Hot Toys. Yep, I did. Well, they're not Hot Toys brand. They're uh, made by 3-0. But yes, uh, there's a Mulder and Scully. And uh, they are not cheap. Uh, they're not the most expensive ones in the world, but they were not cheap. But they're getting harder and harder to come by brand new, and the price on eBay is going up and up and up and up. I think the cheapest I saw them on eBay was 400 for the pair. <laughs> so then let, let me ask you this, then. Mm -hmm. uh, how much did you pay for them? Less than 400 <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at them right now, and they're those are pretty nice. Yep, they are. Uh, here, I'll be able to tell. It's not actually much less than 400 I almost could have just bought the pair for 400 for what I bought them for new. Um, 374 374 each? No, for the pair. Oh, that's not too bad. I mean, no. I'm still going to slap you, but... But. Yeah, it's more than, I, but it is also, and I say this all the time, but this time it's honestly true because um, lawn mowing season is coming up and uh, people can slap me for this all they want. I've had people give me a hard time for it, but I don't mow my own lawn. I pay somebody to do it. I still, even with the. So you're going to pay lawn, in three, se three seven uh, <laughs> Fox and Mold Fox and Mulder statues. You're going to be like, nope, listen. It's just a. Uh, Next month, I have to start paying the guy to come because even with the quarantine, I am an essential worker. I don't have time to mow my own goddamn lawn. I work too much. I pay somebody to come do it. So I was like, well, this is my last splurge for the summer before I have to start paying the lawnmower guy to come. So I just did it. And from now on, I won't be buying anything fun because you I say that now you say that now and every uh, but, you know, just like me that it's not like you're not going to hold yourself to it <laughs> we'll see because i like i did my fun purchase last week uh no earlier this week of a couple movies which we'll talk about on the other podcast at some point and i was like mm -hmm. this is all i'm gonna get for the month 
and then I'm good. And then I have, but I have like wish lists of all over the place on different websites. So I'm like looking yeah, at like, well, what you got probably wasn't almost four hundred dollars worth of a splurge. So true. No, that is very true. <laughs> Mine was only a hundred and one dollars. There you go. So I spent almost three times as much as you. Um, all right, I'm gonna get off of that now. But I did want to share that they are really cool. Um, there was a deluxe Agent Scully that came with like her trench coat because she's very known for wearing trench coats on this and series remo- especially. And it was like removable clothing is that it yeah no it's basically just she comes with like an extra trench coat because um she got very known for i mean you can already see it in the first season but it actually uh in a couple seasons from now um jillian anderson got pregnant and then she really started wearing the trench coats a lot so uh scully just kind of became known for trench coats so they made like a deluxe figure that came with her trench coat and i wasn't spending the extra money for just a trench coat yeah (laughs) yeah all right we are on to an episode that uh last time oh i'm getting a fucking number that has got to be a scammer where is 303 area code i don't know uh let's see three oh that sounds familiar i don't know anyway um, last time I said I didn't remember this episode, and as we're going to talk about, there's a good reason I don't remember this episode. This is episode, uh, season one, episode 22, Born Again, written by Alex Gansa and Howard Gordon, and directed by Gerald Friedman, and it originally aired April 29th, 1994, and this was a very long 44 minutes. <laughs> I, yeah, I have to agree. Like, it, it, also, I had a lot of questions about about stuff. Yeah. First I'm of gonna, all, first of all, yeah. the like, even this whole thing takes place in, like, upstate New York. Yeah, in Buffalo. In Buffalo. And everyone, like, they are doing some of the worst New York accents. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah they definitely are but this is um, the, but the like uh but the thing that we're gonna talk like i mean it's part of the first in the cold open where they show the outside of the buffalo police mm-hmm. department and mm-hmm. i always find this hilarious and almost every show looks like canada well like like with every show when they look when they show the outside of a police station there's always just shit happening there's always like a cop being yelled at by some dude like like they're bringing in a hooker they're always bringing in a hooker it's like it's like i remember watching this when i watching shows similar to this as younger thinking so if i just walk by a police station there's just always going to be someone getting arrested or having a fight right outside Mm -hmm. the building (laughs) yeah uh, just some real quick background notes on this episode. We aren't the only ones that pick on it. Uh, one of the writers, Hall- uh, Howard Gordon, ended up disappointed with the episode. He found it too similar to other things being aired around the same time. And he also felt that the episode came out a little too cop showy overall, stating that he did not think it was very well executed on any front. And David Duchovny reportedly detested the episode. That is a direct quote. He detested this episode. So that should tell you a little bit of something about this episode before we really dive into it. Oh, God, yeah. Ooh, I just got a voicemail from the 303 number. It's a Denver. It's a Denver number. Denver? I wonder who the fuck's calling me from Denver. I guess I'll find out after the show, unless people really want to know right now. (laughs) Here, I'll listen. 
Oh, okay. That that is actually somebody I know who that is now. Okay, um, that's from something I applied to. So uh, I'll get back to her. All right. Ooh, there. apply. That was what? Would you apply to? Uh, I want to know. A thing. I'll tell. I'll tell you about it later. It's All nothing right. bad. I just. I'll no, tell I didn't think later. it was anything bad. No, well, I know you didn't. I'm just for the listeners who might be like thinking I applied for some sort of like um, on Westworld, the guy with the app where he goes around committing crimes. I mean, that's a good way to make an extra quick buck at this time of crisis. Yeah, this actually is a way I could. Ah, fuck it. I applied for a a program to. Uh, christmas time make uh home video calls as santa claus i I just decided not to yeah so especially since a lot of people obviously this year with the covid19 won't be going out to malls or having uh santas come visit their house or anything i applied for a program to like record videos to like send to kids at their home oh that's sweet yeah i don't know why i was not letting anybody know that but but (laughs) anyway um it just didn't seem to have it. It seemed like we've already gone off topic enough, but screw it. Who cares? It's COVID-19 time. Who gives a shit? Well, I'll just talk about whatever we want and be entertained by whatever we want. Yeah. All right. This cold open, as we said, ha- uh, starts out in Buffalo, New York, right outside the uh, 14th precinct, police precinct. And uh, some detectives get out of their car and they go inside and we get to Janice. Fucking Janice. And anybody that is a friend's person knows what I'm talking... This actress's name is Maggie Wheeler. And um, at the time, she was actually dating David Duchovny. Oh, really? Yes. Um, And I feel bad always calling her Janice and holding her to one really annoying character from one TV show. But... Honestly, I can't even remember what the character's name in this show is. She's in my notes for the entire episode as Janice. <laughs> um, so Janice is, she talks to these uh, cops for a bit. And then she leaves and she goes out and she, you know, goes to look. Uh, she happens to notice a little girl in an alley. And she's like, hey, little girl, are you lost? And the little girl nods. And so Janice takes her back to Janice takes her back. Oh my god! Um, back in the precinct, uh, Janice uh, takes the little girl in, and she says to uh, this one detective, Barbala, she's like, "Oh, uh, you know, she's in the little holding room, but she's not talking to me. Could you maybe go in and see if you could get her to talk to you?" So they go in, and the Barbala, he's like, "Hi, honey, what's your name?" You know, Hi, stupid name, girl. by the way. Barbala. Yeah. Yeah, his name is Rudolph Barbala. They call him Rudy. And like you were saying about stereotypes. I mean, this is upstate New York. It's fucking Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, not. but they have like thick like New Yorker accents like they're from the city. <laughs> I know. I haven't been to Buffalo in a really long time. Now I want to go back just to see what it's really like. <laughs> I only have a vague, vague memory of Buffalo. Um so anyway, he finds out her name is Michelle Bishop, and this little girl is the most serious-looking little girl in the world. And Janice leaves, and it's just uh, Michelle and this Barbala guy, and he's, like, asking her some questions, and she stares at him and stares at him and stares at him. And then all of a sudden, we cut to the outside, and we see his body hurling through the window. I 
let loose laugh when that happened because it just felt it was so out of nowhere it was like so little girl can you tell me where you live Boosh! Boosh! and it, get, it it doesn't get any better as the episode goes on so yeah. buckle up everybody and janice runs in and it's just this little girl she's the only person there and she's sitting there with her serious face and then there's the opening credits and we come right back to the crime scene or accident scene or whatever and Mulder's like so how'd you hear about us and um janice is like uh well you know my brother he works as a cop in baltimore and he told me about the tombs case and he said that you can kind of like get a feel for things that are out of the ordinary um so scully asks about the little girl and apparently she said there was another man in the room and janice is like nah, except there wasn't another man in the room i was outside the door and uh god i'm already bored of this episode um something something suicide uh they're like story. we don't know why but they think it was more of a suicide than anything else and they yeah. don't they give like well i don't think it's the little girl and it's yeah, I've i kind of was in the Jan- same boat. I'm not gonna lie. I ah. had to watch it. I had to watch the second half a second time because I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. Janice says something about I don't know. I've been on the force for like eight years and seen a lot of strange stuff, but nothing as strange as this kid. And so we go to the next shot, and it's the little girl Michelle again. And Mulder says, "So did he have long hair or short hair?" And the little girl says, "Short hair." And she's sitting. The computer. This computer thing was so bullcrap. Like, uh, like I've I've seen see I've seen cartoons or like three three D cartoons that had better graphics than this of the same time period. Mm-hmm. It's just like oh, it's just so bad. I don't know what. The composite, because uh, obviously they were they were getting a police sketch, only they were using a, a computer instead of a sketch artist. So I don't know what the program was like at that time, but yeah, it was pretty bad. And um, the the artist is like, did he have a beard or a mustache? And the girl's like, he had a mustache. And Mulder whispers something to the computer artist, and he puts a silly mustache on the face. He's like, was it like this? And then he puts another silly mustache on the face and he says, you know, or was it like this? And finally the girl like laughs. It's the first time she smiled for the whole episode. But uh, then suddenly the screen does a weird flicker and a whole entirely brand new mustache just suddenly appears on the face. And the artist is like, whoa, what happened? And Michelle's like staring all serious. And Mulder's like, is that the mustache that was on the face? And (laughs) Michelle's like, yeah. Okay, so then we go to Scully, and she's talking to Michelle's mo- uh, Michelle's mother, Mrs. Bishop. Whew, that's hard to say. Um, and Scully's like, how did your daughter get all the way to Buffalo? And the mother's like, I, I don't know. When I got home, Mrs. Doherty, the nanny, was already locked in the wine cellar, and I called the police right away. And uh, Scully's like, her nanny, huh? And Mrs. Bishop's like, yeah, she's only gone through, she's already gone through four this year, and it's only April. <laughs> and Scully's like, uh, why? <laughs> and Scully, uh, Mrs. Bishop is like, well, Michelle's a problem. Like, uh, as hard as it is for me to admit, because I'm her mother, she's like a very disturbed child, and she frightens me. 
and she doesn't have any friends and she doesn't smile and she talks about seeing things nobody can see and hears people yelling in her head <laughs> and um then we cut to an outside shot where the mother's like here's our pool we had to permanently cover it up because she wouldn't even take swimming lessons every time she got near the water she would just start screaming which i thought would come into play at some point it does it does did i not remember the water the wa- oh yes yes sorry mm-hmm. i was see it's that's just... how forgettable this was yep uh i watched it this morning and if i hadn't taken notes i wouldn't be able to tell you about this episode <laughs> uh Mulder comes out and he gives the picture of the man's face to mrs bishop and she's like i don't know who it is and Mulder's like uh, she also was talking about somebody named sheila and apparently that's uh, Michelle's psychologist. And at that moment, we see Michelle watching from an upstairs window. And Mulder... With a big old frowny face still. Yep. Mulder notices her. She throws an origami bird out the window. Which at the time also seems like nothing. But comes back in one of the dumbest ways possible. It's, oh my god. On. This whole That whole bit was really fucking stupid. And Mulder's like, uh, oh, cool. Where'd she learn origami? And Mrs. Bishop's like, I don't know. No idea. Okay. Nobody can see me rolling my eyes, but I am. <laughs> and this is from a show I love. I'm glad season two is coming up. Uh, Mulder and Scully, you know, they're going out to their car and the artist is there. And Mulder's like, hey, can you give Scully a ride in your car? And Scully's like, hey, we have an autopsy to do. And Mulder's like, no, no, you do the autopsy. I'm going over to the psychiatric hospital. Oh, and by the way, check the uh, body for burns and lesions. And Scully's like, why? And Mulder, (laughs) psychokinesis usually associated, uh, psychokinesis is usually associated with an electrical charge. And Scully's basically like, oh, for fuck's sake, are you saying Michelle can move shit with her mind? And Mulder's like, well, how else can a 60 pound girl push a full grown man out a window? Um. And so Mulder goes to the psychiatric hospital and uh, shows Michelle's doctor the picture. And she doesn't recognize the man. And Mulder says, you know, did she make him up? And the doctor says, yeah, probably. And she talks a lot of psycho talk about dissociative disorders. And Mulder's like, so she has schizophrenia. And Michelle apparently doesn't. Uh, because the doctor gets up, opens a cabinet full of identical baby dolls (laughs) sitting in a row and explains that sometimes she would leave Michelle alone with a doll and each time it would be the same doll, just a brand new version of the same doll. And each time she'd come back and the left eye would be taken or the left arm would be taken off and the right eye would be taken out. And the doctor thought, you know, she was being abused, but it turns out that wasn't the case and stuff. So Mulder is like, so any theories? And the doctor's like, nope. And Mulder says, have you tried deep regression hypnosis? (laughs) And the doctor says, that's an unreliable approach at best, which she's right. Hypnosis doesn't work in real life. Anytime you hear anybody saying that so-and-so had like a, a... hypnosis where they uncovered past memories it's just not true so uh, Mulder is like okay well then how have you been treating her and the doctor says Thorazine and I put in my notes yikes (laughs) (laughs) 
and Mulder actually gets a sick burn about the Thorazine later. But yeah, he I'll does. Get, I'll get there. It's pretty funny. Um, and so Mulder goes, I put right in my notes, now Mulder goes full Mulder and asks if this doctor's observed any unusual phenomenon like inordinate physical strength, phys- uh, psychic ability, or telekinesis. And the doctor's like, you're joking, right? <laughs> and Mulder shakes his head and she basically just tells him to get out. She's like, I have a patient waiting. Excuse me. <laughs> So, uh, then Scully is starting to perform the autopsy and she pulls down the sheet and guess what she finds? A huge electrical burn on the torso. And of course, um, so then Janice comes in and asks to talk to Scully. Oh yeah. Well, they, they, um, they're almost done testing all. Are you on the phone? No, well, I'm Skyping. What's up? Oh, I want to hear what he's saying. Oh, okay. I thought you were. It's all good. Oh, I was hoping to hear what your roommate was saying. We could get it on tape. It could be incriminating. <laughs> so incriminating, of course. So incriminating, talking about the news. Um, so Janice is like, oh, look at this. And it's the composite art. And then a photo of the man who looks pretty much like the composite art. And she says, this is officer Charlie Morris who worked narcotics at the 27th precinct. And Scully's like, do you know him? And she says, no, he was before my time. Hint, hint. (laughs) And Scully's like, okay, well, where is he now? He's been dead for nine years. Every single time. He's so spooky. And basically you can figure out the entire episode from this point. Yeah. Really. As soon as you go, okay, here's the dead man. You know, everything about the rest of this episode. (laughs) Um, so, uh, back at the precinct, Scully's there with Mulder and she's like, this guy was killed in Chinatown, looked like an execution. And, now I suppose you're going to tell me that Michelle saw a ghost and Mulder's like, oh, hey, you found the thing that on his body that could have been caused by the electrocution. And Scully's like, yeah, could have been. And Mulder's like, how come you can't believe the evidence is right here? And Scully's like, well, you know, sometimes... the same thing they say oh, like every episode. Yep, like, so... seriously, at this point, I'm like, at this point, this is the one part where I was like, oh, my God, where, like it's almost every episode. It was like Mulder's like, how can you not believe it? It's right there. Here's all the evidence. It's like, it's almost, it's like every time that happens now, I kind of roll my eyes. Like, oh my God, Scully, just, just go with it. She she shows him a picture of Charlie Morris in a trophy case. And she's like, this is how she knew what Charlie Morris looked like. Like she saw this picture when she was here in the office and Mulder's like, okay, did you happen to read in that report how Charlie died? And Scully's like, yeah, uh, his left arm was severed just below the shoulder, presumably by a chainsaw, and his right eye was gouged out. And Mulder reaches into his bag and produces, dun dun da, one of the dolls that has the left arm missing and the right eye gouged out. And he's like, she did this to like a dozen dolls, and we need to learn more about Charlie Morris, and I have the address of his old partner and something, and they go to this guy's house 
and they knock and he comes to the door and I shouted, Hey, it's that guy because um, <laughs> it's that guy. <laughs> the actor's name is Brian Markinson. He is a prolific character actor. He is one of those that guy actors. You have seen him in stuff. And when you see him, you will go, Oh, Hey, it's that guy. I remember him from, from, and you won't be able to know where you remember him from because he's been in so much stuff, but he never plays a huge part. It's going to be like that new Leonardo DiCaprio meme that's been going around when they point <laughs> something out. Did you see? Oh, somebody edited that one. They put uh, Anakin Skywalker's face on it with a lightsaber in the hand and they changed the caption to when you're watching a Star Wars movie and you see a youngling come on the screen. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, that's funny. Uh, and so this guy, his name is um, Tony Fiore. Again, super like they're in New York City type names. Um, Not to be confused was, with Guy Fieri, who go, takes you down to Flavortown. Oh, ladies, you want to go to Flavortown? Go to Flavortown! <laughs> um... Where was I? Oh, yeah, this Tony Fury guy. He was Charlie's partner. Yada, and again, I did the yada, 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 something about Morris's death being linked to Barbala's police stuff. Oh, my God, this scene is so dull. Something, something. Officer's white wife comes out, asks if everything is okay. Fury's like, hey, man, it's the weekend. Come find me first thing Monday morning, okay? And then they go back inside. <laughs> And their first link of suspicion for for he's lying and holding back is he tells the off he tells Mulder and Scully that they he's like can we talk about this outside I don't want to wake up my wife but mm -hmm. when she comes out she's covered in uh in baking powder or like flour or something like yep like that and so they leave and they go. The next scene, this is, like I said, this is such a basic cop show at this point because we go to, uh, we find Tony Fiore in a Buffalo Mutual Life office talking to some guy and he's yeah. very upset about the FBI sniffing around and the other guy is calm and he thinks there's no issue and Fiore's like, come on, we're going to go get our safety deposit box and something about money and, uh basically this reminds me of the episode from earlier in the season where the boss is dead and comes back as a ghost oh yeah that? that one yeah well this was yeah i mean basically from what i understand this scene is pretty much this this part pretty much is labeled everything that happened like they set up the cop uh mm -hmm. and then the, and they set up the first cop that is now the ghost spooky whatever um mm -hmm. And so he's back for revenge, and then all the other cops that were associated with with this are now being picked off one by one. So the two remaining ones, like they're like, oh yeah, we we each have like we each have like a million dollars. Like we can get yep. out of here before the FBI comes back for us. Mm -hmm. and of course, they're like, no, relax, guy. <laughs> so the the guy that. Fiori was arguing with he goes to get on the bus and uh, this there's like a this one this i called a massive bullshit on it's pretty weird because he goes he gets on the bus number one he's apparently this rich guy taking the public bus which maybe he's just being like socially conscious or something but usually rich guys drive their own car but okay yeah. um and he he gets off the bus later and he puts a, a scarf around his neck and part of the scarf goes back up into the bus all on its own, wraps around a, a railing 
and he's at the back door and the back door closes and he gets dragged along like which makes no drive. sense he can easily take off the scarf <laughs> yep he could have gotten his scarf off but instead he just runs along being dragged beside the bus uh driver can't stop the bus the brake won't work and the pedal goes down all on its own the uh, uh the go pedal the gas pedal the go pedal <laughs> my mind at this point even reading my notes my mind is just so numb by this episode i just it's love the fact the... that it's like it's not a gas pedal anymore it's just a, it's the go pedal like the stop pedal is not yeah. is not working the go pedals all the way at the floor <laughs> i mean if we're it, i'm already i'll jump ahead to my final thoughts if we're talking worst episodes it's like at the bottom is space and then maybe right above space is this one (laughs) anyway so yeah the guy like guy chokes he dies he gets dragged along by the bus and dies and michelle is on the bus which which again it's like god damn it how it makes no sense yep this little girl just keeps going off on her own and somehow going like 30 miles from her house into buffalo all on her own and police station crying mother stuff janice comes along and pulls Mulder aside and is like okay that dead dude from just now he used to be a cop and his old partner was Barbala so Mulder and Scully are like okay so there's these four cops that we know about and two of them are dead three of them are dead now and the only one left uh, is Fiori and the only connection between all four of them is a drug bust from nine years ago and Michelle and they just do all this cop show stuff, and something is missing. Some page that Fiori the do- took out. the dossier is missing. There's a piece of the dossier that's missing from Barbala's or no, the first guy Charlie's Charlie's coroner uh, report. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Because that comes back. Yeah, that happens later. So they go to back to his house, and his wife is there, and she's like, "He's not home. He never came home last night." And Mulder stares at a fish tank with a little uh, scuba diver guy in it. And then he finds a shelf full of origami animals. And uh, Mulder is like, oh, hey, I like these origami animals. And Mrs. Fiori's like, oh, yeah, that was Charlie's hobby. And, oh, turns out Charlie Morris, the first dead cop, was her first husband. And now he's dead and Michelle can do origami now. <sighs> God damn it this episode well not only that but like i'm like i'm a little suspicious I'm like so she so because the that she somehow remarried uh fiori mm-hmm. like i'm yep. like i'm like wait so she remarries like the partner that's a i don't know something about i know it's not that far off but something about it like i'm like i would have raised a couple eyebrows yeah and so finally they leave the house and Mulder's like, oh, Michelle's eight years old. That means she was conceived about the same time that Morris was killed. And Scully's like, ooh, do me a favor, Mulder. Let me say it. <laughs> Reincarnation. <laughs> and then they have their classic argument about the reality of the thing while they're walking away from a place. And then Michelle finally gets hypnotized and she's like, oh, I'm home and it's nighttime and I'm 24. <laughs> 24 and, uh, years old. Mm-hmm. Then she's like, no, we can't do this. It's wrong. And Michelle's doctor comes out and tries. She's like, Mrs. Bishop Mulder, you have to stop this. It's, it's dangerous. And Mulder's like, 
Any more dangerous than pumping her full of Thorazine? <laughs> Whoa, sick burn. Burn. <laughs> I just thought her. I just shot her up with about 50 cc's of Thorazine. She's going to take a little nap now. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a nap. Ghostbusters reference right there. Um, and Michelle starts screaming, oh, they're killing me, they're killing me. And Mrs. Bishop runs in and stops it. And so out in the hall, Scully's like, well, they're gone. And Mulder's like, we, we almost had it. We, we got to try again. And Scully's like, Mrs. Bishop won't go for that. And he's like, well, we have to make her go for it. And Scully's like, why? And Mulder's like, because of the truth. And Scully's like, we'll find the truth. We just got to find Fiori. And he's like, well, he may not even be alive. And look what happened in there. And Scully's like, I just saw some traumatized little girl, like, that something happened to. And Mulder's like... And that's all the evidence that says she's Charlie Morris. And Scully gets real pissed off and goes, okay, fine. Say you manage to convince Michelle's mother and the next session gives you everything in the world that you want. No grand jury's going to listen to you. We still won't have a case. And then she leaves. So. Uh. Yep. Uh, so they go back to FBI headquarters in Buffalo, like the field office, and Mulder's there writing in his journal about how he totally believes he's right, because as I've said before, he is right. He's always right. It's one of the major flaws of the show. I like, how, I like how they did the same style as like uh, Jillian, as Jillian write, uh, typing in hers. Mm-hmm. Only he's handwriting instead. Yeah. yeah. The nerd. Uh, and he is watching a video of Michelle's hypnosis and suddenly it does this weird quick flicker thing and Mulder's like, oh, what was that? And so he rewinds it and he slows it down and frame by frame and he sees like that there's something in the flicker of static. And then back at the Fury house, Mrs. Fury like hears a knock on her door and she thinks it's her husband obviously and she runs to it and opens it up and there's nobody there except a little origami giraffe on the doorstep which uh earlier she said uh charlie was trying to make all the animals in this painting they had in their house and the only one he never got to make was the giraffe so of course yeah and then back at the field office Mulder takes the static to like the video enhancement guy and Okay, this like, whole bit, I was confused the fuck out of me at first. It, it's weird, because basically the tech says something about, I did something, I listened to it twice, I didn't understand what he said, I'm not fluent enough. And he said something about... Um, something along the lines of being able to overlay static so it kind of cancels itself out, so you can kind of see any image, like, not yeah, super clearly, some- but clearer... Mm-hmm. And he says something about um, how basically, like, whatever happened, it wasn't like something already on the tape. It was recorded that day while the recorder was running. And Scully's like, how how was that possible? And Mulder's like, well, you know, back in the 70s, there was a case of a man who could affect undeveloped film with his mind by projecting images onto it. Um Fun fact, there's actually an episode later on in the series where there's somebody who can do something kind of like that. And it's not a bad episode. We'll get to that later on. Um, And at this point, Janice comes in and she says she found the autopsy report. uh, And apparently Charlie Morris 
didn't die from being executed with like his arm being cut off and stuff that was done after he was drowned uh forcibly drowned apparently because only his face showed signs of being submerged in water and then something about elevated sodium levels and it turns out he was drowned in salt water um then there's a part where fiori screeches to a halt outside of his house and jumps out with a duffel bag and runs in and he's like come on you gotta pack a bag we gotta go somebody's trying to kill me we gotta get out of here bitch and outside the window we see michelle looking in because of course and then finally at fbi office the tech clears up the image from the tape and it's a little scuba diver see figure. okay when that when that first happened I didn't see a scuba diver. I saw something completely different, and there's and I was very confused at first. What What did you think it was? I don't know. I thought it was like um, like a, uh, I thought it was like a projection of like a demon or something that like was in the room and kind of took it over. Like I went a little more subjective with it. Um, oh, okay. I didn't realize that kind of flew by me the whole scuba man at first. I was just like, what, what? <laughs> Would have been better because at this point Mulder goes, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. You said he drowned in salt water. They have a, a, a tropical fish tank that's salt water. That's the little scuba man. He was drowned in his own tropical fish tank. And that was the last thing he saw before he died. So back at the Fury house, like they're cramming stuff in a bag. And his wife freaks out and shows him the little giraffe and... The lights go out and Tony's like, you stay here. And he locks his wife. In, well, no, he shuts the door to their bedroom and then it locks on its own because it's an old timey doorknob with an old timey key that locks from the outside and it locks on its own. And so Fury goes downstairs and he walks through the dark house and then a cord unplugs itself from the socket and wraps around his legs and he falls and he drops his gun and it goes across the room to Michelle, who's in the house now. And so Mulder and Scully arrive and they hear smashing and screaming and they run in the house or they can't get in the house. They have to go around back and find like a cellar door and they finally get in. And at this point, Fury realizes that this is Charlie and he's like, look, they, they I didn't know they were going to kill you. They were just coming to talk to you. They just they wanted you to take the money. You should have just taken the money. And Michelle starts throwing things at him, like a fire poker and a glass duck and some other shit. And finally, Scully goes upstairs to check on the wife. And Mulder's like, come on, stop. This won't make things right. And Because, uh, you know, eventual really... spirits are all about that. Like, oh, yeah, yeah you, I got to do the right thing, don't I? <laughs> finally, the wife comes downstairs and she begs charlie to stop and then the whole room begins to shake and stuff breaks and the, finally the fish tank explodes and all the lights come back on and i even put in my notes finally this episode is almost over and it ends with a voiceover of Mulder. he's walking with miss mrs bishop next to their pool which is open now and uh Michelle is taking a swimming lesson with a, a woman and another little girl. Apparently she finally made a real friend and no charges were brought against her. And she claims she has no memory of what happened. And Mulder's request for more hypnosis was denied. The end. Finally. Uh... <laughs> 
Let's bring it home. Final thoughts, letter grade. Um, this this episode was all over the damn place. It was nothing was consistent. Mm-hmm. It made no sense, and especially after like the kind of the small string of some really good ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, this kind of like really felt like a step backwards. Um, and honestly, like I lost interest like halfway through once the guy barbala or whatever no the third guy dies mm-hmm. uh but the choking of the scarf i kind of lost interest yep. and and so i forget whatever i had the if you listen back i almost said the stuff of whatever you listen when you listen back to the space episode whatever that one is it's definitely a grade like a plus or minus or whatever above that but not by much so yeah. I'm gonna safely say if I if space was an F, I'm assuming I said space was an F. This is yeah, definitely probably. probably a D minus because I don't think there's no E. Are we, yeah. If we're going, yeah, I've got to agree. I've made it pretty clear through this entire episode. It's dull. Uh, not a lot happens. Um. It's really cop showy, kind of like the writer of the episode said it was. Like, it's barely an X-Files episode. Uh, It is a lot like a couple other episodes that came before it, only a little bit worse, maybe. Well, especially because they they played the whole Scully still doesn't believe the idea of it, even though they've seen it at least three times. Yeah, for sure. Um and especially since in the last couple episodes we watched her really step up and yeah. start to support Mulder more. It's almost like a step back. Yeah, it's like they kind of forgot about those episodes and they wanted to feel that con- weird conflict between the two of them. She always is going to be a skeptic and sometimes it is ridiculous, especially when you start getting into like anything past the movie. And even the movie is kind of late. The movie happens after season five um so it does reach i mean the show rests on the idea that scully is a skeptic and for the most for for a lot of things it can turn out fine but when you're having an episode where it's basically like two or three other cases they've already solved this season yeah it seems poor <laughs> so to, fucking poor uh yeah uh D D minus. I can't rate this one very highly. It's it's uh, it's a rough sit. And the next time I go back through the series, I'll definitely skip this one. Um, there is a reason I didn't remember it very well. All right. Uh, next episode is Roland. Uh, ooh. Roland, <laughs> does, do, that ooh does not make me feel very good about it. I remember Roland much better than I remember Born Again, and I will warn everybody, Roland is a step above Born Again, but not by much. Uh, but the good news is, after Roland, we get to the season finale, which is called the Erlenmeyer Flask, which is actually a really good episode, so... We're uh, we're getting over the hump. Now. We're getting over the first season hump, uh, where we're going to get Hooray! into season two, where uh, where the show really starts to pick up. I think uh, I'd have to look at a full list of episodes, but season two, I think we're going to have a much better time. 
uh, once it gets over, you know, because by season two, it's already found itself and it kind of knows what it is and it starts to get stronger. So Roland is everybody's I'm down. Yeah. Roland is everybody's homework until then. Bye. Later. The FBI's Most Unwanted is a production of Two Broke Geeks Entertainment and is part of the Atomic Geekdom Network. Find the flagship Two Broke Geeks podcast wherever you download podcasts or online at twobrokegeeks.com. You can find the Atomic Geekdom Network at atomicgeekdom.com. Our artwork is by Justin Kowalski. You can find him on Twitter at J underscore Rocka. Our theme music is by Tony Longworth. You can find him on Twitter at Tony Longworth or on Facebook, Tony Longworth, Dark Composer. You can help out the podcast by subscribing and leaving us a review. Thanks. Thanks.